Hello, my fellow humans of the apocalypse. We're all in this together, they say. We are all, although we do hear about how we are not all in it together. A little bit weird when you hear this new life of not being around each other and those that choose to and the controversies of other countries not social distancing and being fine. I mean, what do you believe? My goodness. I feel like the answer is more around, can you accept the reality that we are in, where you are placed on the planet and that reality that exists there? In Australia, we are social distancing almost at the point where we were, we're pretty much locked in the house. I mean, don't leave for any reason other than health or work if you cannot do anything else. Education. I mean, it's it's... You know, it's full, crazy lockdown, and they reckon that this is going to be somewhere around the six-month mark and uh, all that sort of stuff. But I can't leave the country, so I can't change the reality of the situation I'm in. This is what it is, government-mandated. It's uh, sort of an odd world view to think that other countries and the decisions that they make can be supplanted into the countries that we're in as a way to object to the current status of your life, the non-acceptance, if you will, of your situation. People will do what they need to do to make sense of things. I get that. People will go and find the things they need to feed their biases. I get that. But acceptance is a hard thing. Acceptance is difficult. And, you know, I, I there's a few things that have flipped into my world radar, my, what do I call it? I don't know, the Joe Dar. That's right. That was a stupid joke, but I'm 42 and I have dad humor. This, uh, this world that we're living in, acceptance, right? We are now in a place where we have to accept the shit out of our exact circumstances. No compromise. It is what it is. That's hard to do when you've never been forced to do it. <laughs> It's like your parents telling you to do something every day exactly the same way over and over again, and you have no choice but to comply for fear of losing your rights as a child. I'm not minimizing it into some sort of adolescence. It is just this sort of weird feeling. But it also pushes us down these other patterns, these weird patterns of being stuck with people, accepting those people, I have a theory that many people will be faced with the darkness of their own relationships, the ones that they are in, about to be in, have been in, and it is tough. I can't imagine a place anymore where I wouldn't fully understand the person I've chosen to be with. I feel like my pain in my life has created the world that I now shape which is to truly know who I'm buying into, for lack of better description, my current wife. I love her. I know her well. I know what she doesn't do well, and I know what she does do well, and I accept her 100%. But that is hard to do, and I can see how the journey I've been on has placed me in a position to be able to do that. I've been frustrated with her. But I don't get upset about it per se. It's not some deep-seated, scorekeeping, um, horrible piece of shit mentality. It's just a, fuck, why did she do that? And I will let her know that I don't like it, and she will smile coyly at me, which will make me laugh about it because I know she won't change. And I will continue to remind her to do that over and over again, like an insane person. 
But I've accepted that that those small details pale in comparison to the greater things that I know about her. I was going to do a food for thought, but I failed to do those ones now uh, because my time is so different. I find it weird. I'm always here at this desk talking in this microphone. It's kind of changed. Not, not my desire to do the podcast, but the amount of time I want to put into it. The food for thought topic that I had was about really knowing somebody. And I think that it's, you know, synergistic, the thing I'm saying, which is accepting someone. Um, it's amazing when you know someone because when you know them and you know them well, you're comfortable with who they are. Um, that in part is acceptance. Uh, so, you know, not only are we faced with accepting our current situation as an individual, narcissistically going, what will happen to me in this pandemic apocalypse? Then you think about those that are with you on this journey and those people that, you know, you're now stuck with 24-7. And, you know, can you handle them? Are you able to, do they, can they handle you? What is the volume of worry and despair you find yourself in? Are you happy with it? It's a weird thing to now be faced with because we live in such a distracting world. I mean, the question I would now ask is, are you sitting there on your phone constantly and doing that to avoid your partner, better half, other people in your family? Or are you making those, taking those moments and trying to make something of them, trying to get to know people better, understand them, tell them about the things that are going through your mind? making a real connection. Maybe that's what we've been afforded to do is to invest in the people that you are closest to. I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting philosophical dilemma. Do I accept this for what it is and make the most of it? There's been a lot of stuff going around, around uh, you know, learning skills, figuring out how to do a thing, be a beginner at being a beginner, all these sort of motivational things. Um, and I think it's important to frame your mind. I talk about perspective, uh, but taking the correct mindset here and how you can grow through this is incredibly important. It's important for you. It's important for the people around you. You have been given the gift of time. For most of us, this is a new thing. For some of us, it's not. Um, but I think it's important that you remember that you know, your acceptance of something allows you to grow with it, to grow beyond it, to be, make something more of that situation. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd start with that today. I feel like a preacher. I've been watching Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. There's that point in it where you meet the guy that was holding all these people hostage, and it made me think about the, the idea that this podcast could be holding other people's minds hostage. I don't think that's true. Hopefully you're all free thinkers. If not, I will take donations on my GoFundMe page. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't even have one of those. Oh, gosh, what a world we live in. Anyway, look, I had an interview with a Mr. Jordan Carmichael. I did make reference of how fun it is to say his name, Mr. Carmichael. Reminds me of being a bit uh, Sean Connery-esque and wanting to say that name. And I don't know why. It's very Bond to me to say, Mr. Carmichael. I don't know, I'm doing a horrible impersonation. The impersonation, the ability to impersonate Sean Connery uh, that I was told at a very young age was to say skin cancer. Skin cancer. Skin cancer. I don't know if I'm even doing it right anymore. There's a point in time where I could do it, but uh, now that I hear myself directly in my ears, 
I feel like it doesn't work. Anyways, Jordan, I know, uh, I've known for a while now. Um, he is, <laughs> I was ironically, I don't think, I, I feel like he's going to hate me if I call him this. He's gonna, he wasn't a recruiter as such, but he was a guy that placed professionals into roles. He was a fixer of recruitment strategy. Um, but he figured out that I was worth it. Uh, simply by talking to me on the phone. It was this really weird shit low moment in my life where I'd been made redundant from one job after being there for some time. I was post-divorce, sort of depressive state, not feeling good about my life. I was in the shit. And uh, and I needed to get a job. I was going to venture out on my own, which was uh, sort of ironic because when I had spoken to Paul Armstrong, that's what that was about. How do I start a company? How do I start an agency? How do I do this on my own? I was struggling to get that start happening, uh, I think primarily because I was not in a good place. And uh, I was kind of on that hunt for that sort of give up point hunt to get a real job by the getting paid by the man. And uh, I got a random call after all these failed attempts to impress people that I was worth it from Jordan, who uh, had a, you know, look, I think it was LinkedIn, as much as I hate on LinkedIn, uh, saw some profile of me maybe there or something along those lines. He had organically found me and called me up. And uh, he had a chat with me. He, he grilled me a little bit about how I did what I did, what was my magic sauce. And then he pitched me an opportunity on the phone, which I had not had done, um, which I thought was interesting. And before I knew it, I was, you know, going in and uh, working at the ABC, which was probably one of my more interesting moments of kind of get me out of my old self into my new self. Uh, it was the journey that needed to begin. So I give uh, a lot of thanks to Jordan for being one of the limited number of people that recognized me professionally and, and said, hey, you know what you're doing. You, you get it. I think you could be uh, of value to people that I know who also need this. Um, and it was awesome. It was great. And ever since then, I'd always make as much time as possible for Jordan and to include him in things, to go and help him when he asked for help, to be a part of whatever it is he was trying to to do. And kind of through that, we got to know each other a fair bit better. And uh, to be honest, he's, he's, a, he's probably one of the funner guys I hang out with with respect to sort of have met through that world of business and uh, someone I will always make an effort to uh, to spend time with. So it sounds like I'm going to Noosa, as you may find out in this podcast, uh, this interview, uh, open invite. Uh, Jordan uh, will bring my entire family, and we will live there. I'm joking. I don't think I could afford to bring my entire family. But anyways, well, yeah, I promised the wife I'd take her on holiday. Bali's out, so it looks like Noosa could be in. Um, uh, anyway. Back to the point being that uh, Jordan is a, a very interesting person, one smart uh, operator who's uh, started his own business and really gets it and uh, strives for that sort of excellence and I thought would be a great interview. I think the intention was to talk more broadly, but we got suckered into our COVID um, world, and I think that was fair because, to be honest, it's topical and it's what we're all kind of talking about. Uh, we're all worrying about, we're all, you know, in a mental state about. And, you know, he and I had some interesting sort of uh, complimentary views and, and ideas. And I thought it was a great interview to kind of just hear, you know, the world that we're living in, uh, the one that exists, both as personal people living and family people living and people doing business. So uh, it, it's, uh, it was a fun one. I enjoyed it. Um, and without further ado, I bring you my interview with Sir Jordan Carmichael. I'm just joking. He hasn't been knighted, but he should be knighted. 
Jordan Carmichael. Mr. Hello. Mr. Carmichael. Mr. Carmichael. Mr. Now, there's something about your surname that I really like, and it feels very James Bond to me. And it's not because of the accent. It's because Carmichael feels very proper and big um, and all that sort of stuff. What, what is this surname? Is there history here? Uh, well, that's actually quite an interesting question. Um, let me give you the short version. It was. It, it, it is. It originates in the Highlands of Scotland. Oh, nice. But, um, and it's part of the. Um, it comes from the Carmichael clan. Don't ask me to tell you which region they were <laughs> in, but I do know that they their crest um, of arms mentions Torjoest. I believe is the pronunciation, which means always ready. Oh wow! Which is quite cool. That's pretty serious. However, yeah. However, without getting deep and keeping it light, um, it, it, it's actually an acquired surname for me. So I was adopted when I was 11, and mm. I swapped out Armand for Carmichael, which, you know, phonetically speaking, I thought was a pretty good trade-up. Yeah. So it's like almond, as in like the nut. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jordan Almond. Wow, that would be it. That is a mouthful. Uh, in, in okay. a, in a, well, hey, that's interesting. So I I want to say I might know that about you, but then I'm can't. I want to say that I'm we were sure. in I'm, Darling. I'm not, I'm not sure you would. But I don't maybe know. I don't know if it came up organically. But uh, the yeah. only the only way it would have the only way it would have come up organically is if you drop that um, sound like James Bond line, oh. um, which I, I don't think I've heard before, which is why I'm blushing and you know <laughs> super excited by the comment by now. Look, I've thought this as long as I've known you, mate. That's why I always say Mr. Carmichael whenever I uh, call, call or talk to you. Jordan, thank you for jumping on the show. I appreciate uh, you making the time. Uh, I know that uh, we are in some weird circumstances, which makes it perfect to do remote telephone calls. Um, but I think, you know, outside of that nice little surname intro, uh, I mean, maybe we just jump into who who are you today, Jordan Carmichael? Who Who is the man that is on the line that we're talking to today? Well, the, the man that's on the line currently is, uh, is sweating in 25 degree heat in my garage because I've got to kids under three running around my house, including my office. Um, well, look, you, you and I have known each other for a few years. Um, my, current, um, my current gig, if you like, is uh, I've got a company called Helix. Um, we uh, pre-vet um, uh, uh, cybersecurity and cloud skills um, and offer services off the back of what we call our crowd, which is quite cool. Um, we've been doing that for four years now and um i moved the business the other kind of interesting bit i think is i moved the business from uh sydney to um the sunshine coast mm. um in queensland about a year and a half ago yeah so um you know i'm i'm, a, I'm an embracer of uh of remote working uh video or phone hookup Kind of style conferencing over uh, over a thousand kilometers pre-COVID, mm. which uh, you know probably makes up about twenty percent of the business community, while the, the other eighty percent scramble to put those those facilities in place. Yeah, yeah, that's true, man. It's uh, it's interesting. I mean, I remember when you mentioned that you were moving up that way, and I mean, obviously, you had to do a fair bit of commuting to do you know get them face to faces, but yeah. you know, to be able to have that freedom to run a business, it's something that I definitely 
you know, have envied of others. You know, I remember there was a guy I worked with back, oh God, it was a long, long time ago. Uh, I'm going to say it was, be- it was before I had kids. So it was p- plus 15 years. And, um, and he was a developer and he was a contract developer, lived that contract life. But then he ended up just basically rolling around the globe, just working remote from whatever yeah. it was. And I mean, like we're talking, you know, it was 15 plus years ago and he lived in a world where that was his normal. That was what he did. I mean, he lives in the States now, but um, yeah, it was just such an interesting uh, envious way of kind of nomadic working life. And he made, Keeps the money doing it as a dev. He was yeah. you know, a smart guy, but you know, I just find it. He, uh, he sounds like the uh, the original digital nomad. Yeah, he was a dev. That was exactly what he was. Yeah, yeah, very much that digital nomad. Um, so it's, it's happening everywhere, right? I've got I've got colleagues up here in the co-working space. I'm in, and he's a Dutch guy that that rolls in and out of most kind of exotic locations in South America and Asia. Um, oh wow. Kind of, kind of half of what he does is teaching, um, is, um, uh, let's say, um, certifying and um, assessing guys that are um, going through um, UX qualifications oh, or right. customer, customer experience, or, so CX or UX qualifications, and he mm. coaches those guys through that, oh, okay. video conferencing, so he can do it anywhere. Uh, and yeah. then the other half of his business is delivering those services to clients, right? Mm. And um, yeah, he pretty much makes that work. I think he just had a baby, so I think he's probably going to be a bit more tied down moving forward. But he's been doing that for about eight years and successfully, good cash flow, fantastic lifestyle, right? So yeah. it's out there. I think it's worked, though. I mean, I was talking about this today. We're doing some new work uh, in the company I'm working for, and, uh, you know, we're going through sprint work, and everybody's remote. And, you know, I've got a pretty clear pattern of kind of how to deal with working, but it's always workflow-related, you know, like how do I start my day? How do I prepare for that? How do I move through the tools and the the different jobs? How do I um, task switch and, you know, how do I focus and all that? But I just, you know, we were having these conversations about how to work better, how to, you know, how to have more efficiency in what we're doing, how to share information better. And oftentimes it just comes down to a pattern of work, right? You know, how do you, how do you get consistency in your, in your sort of working pattern? I think the people that can figure out how to do that repetitively well, uh, you know, are the ones that can be more nomadic in their approach. Um, they can do well, that job anywhere. It's an interesting approach, right? So what you're talking, what my, my view of your kind of um, work style is your goal oriented. It's so you recognize that there's an off to go for, mm. but then it makes, it kind of makes sense to some people to then break that down into, okay, how do we reverse engineer getting there mm. into the steps we need to take? Mm. Um, and it, look, you can do that. And the, I think the biggest, in my opinion, and I've seen, because I've been in co-working space for the last four and a half years, I've seen some, some people that, that have fallen over trying mm. to start stuff, you know, whether it's freelancing or whether they're trying to trying to start up. And you can kind of see from afar um, the, 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 some of the mistakes that are sometimes made. Some of them are, you know, you're open enough to say, hey, you know, I could maybe support you here, here and here. And, you know, I've made mm. this mistake before, but some of them you just have to kind of watch and, yeah. watch and see because you're not really in touch with them. And, and the ones that kind of, even the ones that can do that, that's not the kind of formula in my head. I think the formula is being able to self-motivate, which mm. it sounds obvious, but there's a lot of people step into that world where suddenly they're their own boss and they're accountable to themselves only. Mm. And through it creeps up on them pretty quickly that they're um, that they're kind of spinning wheels without necessarily kind of hitting those gates or trying to drive to hit those gates to, mm. to get to that North Star, you know? So, yeah. um 
they're not necessarily as accountable for themselves as they think they can be. They're, they're, they're mm. kind of almost missed the comfort blanket of somebody saying, you know, whether it's a team member or a boss saying, hey, we need to hit this by this deadline and that deadline and that deadline. And a lot of people assume they, they, they don't need that in their life. A lot of people actually retract from it. But, you know, I, like I said, I've seen some fall over because they're not able to drive themselves in the way they think they can. Well, I mean, that's and that's so interesting because I think right now the, you know, there's a good proportion of the world that has now just become uh, far more accountable than they ever have been in order to keep their jobs. <laughs> you know, like if you well, think about everybody that's been hiding out underneath their bosses in the office, and now you have to go home and actually output work that can be seen at a point in time, there are people that are going to be shit in the bed right now going, oh my God, now they're going to well, figure but- out I don't do anything. <laughs> But there's a lot of people, and I've seen I've been in enough workplaces, you and I, I think mm, both actually mm. talked about this over beers before, where it's not always the people that hide. There's a lot of people that just rely on being assigned yes. tasks without actually knowing what they're driving towards. Mm. And that sounds, I, you know, I, I'm going to the extreme of this, you know, semi-intelligent kind of, you know, um, individual, you know, conceptually speaking, that, that that can't see the big picture at all. I don't really mean that. I guess that a lot of people don't really take the time to go, well, what are we trying to achieve here? Yeah. But those people are screwed right now because, frankly, their bosses are probably busy trying to, um, you know, if we talk about middle management in corporate, a lot of those guys are trying to justify both their positions and their team's position. They're doing a hell of a lot of reporting upwards. The last mm. thing they want is a phone call every hour saying, hey, I've, done task A, B, and C, what do I do next? Yeah. It's kind of, it's not the time to be kind of pestering. So, you know, um, I don't think anyone's got room to be running kindergartens currently. Yeah. It's, frankly. It is, it is weird. It is weird. Accountability is a funny thing though. It does take practice to figure out how to be accountable. Um, you know, and I don't know that um, the systems, I was talking about this with my boss today around output-based work and measuring yourself. And um, we were ta- I was just talking about how, you know, both the educational and the working institutions don't actually, they're not really modeled to make people accountable as such. Um, they're kind of yeah. modeled to get you through a machine so that you can move on to the next thing. Um, you know, and it's those that either are leveraging others to get things done or are hiding in the system, you know, that kind of just figure things out. But, um, it's a funny thing now where we're in a world where, you know, these, the accountability is becoming pretty serious, right? You know, now you're, you're not only accountable for, you know, the work you have to do remotely and how that might work, but you're also accountable in a very different way to society and, you know, different things that are, have changed. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I often think about now, like, you know, what, what is the world going to turn into? You know, what's going to be next for all of us after not just this sort of, you know, sort of giant pandemic, but, you know, the big giant flow on effects of everything that's going to change as a result of this, you know, it seems pretty daunting. Um, It makes me wonder about what the workplace is going to look like next. Um, You know, what is work? It it, it makes, I mean, look, I I think you can kind of unpack that one for for, for hours, to be honest. I think there's also the, the bigger... The bigger kind of, I don't know if it's a concern. I'm kind of sat in the back seat chewing popcorn a little bit to some extent. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to sound nonchalant because I'm as I'm as you know concerned and scared as the next man. But the um the, the the bigger, a lot of people keep driving towards this kind of sunset moment when we get this thing under control and everything mm-hmm. um uh, goes back to normal. And I'm mm-hmm. doing my air quotes there, even though you can't see them. Yeah, um, yeah fair enough. But but I actually I actually think this the the that that kind of finish line that, that a lot of people think we're gunning for as a society 
that, that, that is going to solve the immediate problem. But I agree that there's going to be some pretty huge fallout from this, both politically mm. in terms of how we do things, in terms of how we um, we operate as a system. Um, I think some of the damage that's going to have been done um, uh, uh, from a mental health perspective and mm. from a, um, uh, a kind of just a trust perspective. A lot of people have been trusting this system and this thing's come along and, and I, I'm one of them that found myself kind of looking at myself today thinking, well, what, what the hell am I supposed to kind of do next? I've kind of cleared my workload. Things are a bit more quiet than they would be. Mm. What, 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 do I take a next step? And I think a lot of people are going to be feeling like that after trusting in a system for so long yeah. to have, you know, one singular event kind of kibosh that whole system inside you know, effectively three months, but in the Western world, we've only really been suffering for three or four weeks. Yeah. There's, there's going to be some disillusionment and, and, and questioning and, and, you know, a lot of both in an official sense of our current kind of, you know, the politicians that are in place and, you know, what will happen to the, the, the corporations, the employers that are in place. There's going to be a lot of official kind of inquiry, but there's a lot, it's going to be a lot of self-reflection as well from, People potentially turn around and saying, "Well, well, why have I been doing that for the last fifteen years?" When yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just as at risk um, as an employee, for instance, as yeah. I would be if I'd maybe done that startup that I wanted to do five years ago or stepped into freelancing. Because, I mean, you know, nobody's really secure in the current climate. So, yeah. I, I, I just think there's a lot of fallout to come, and I don't want to be a doomsayer, but yeah, a lot of it will produce goodness as well. If that's the right way to put it, but. Well, I think you're being I a realist. Think. I think that being there's a realism to this that you know denial's an easy, really sweet little you know drug you can take advantage of whenever you want. And, you know, it I think comes a drug. Oh man, it's it's fantastic, right? And you can leverage it whenever you want to kind of not look at what could be going on. I think that we all have to have our eyes wide open to the potential long term of what this is. And you know, the long term is is we have no idea how long. There's a certain number of um, components to the mathematical equation we don't know. We don't know how long this will take to get clear of. Um, they can say yeah. that there's a window, but there's there's the long tail of all of this, you know. And as certain places get better, other places are getting worse. So it will take a really long time as a as a global population to get through this. Um, and you know, we will progressively get out of it. So that's fairly realistic, right? Um, but the the length of this and the financial implications on the global scale are, are two very um, fixed things that will have a flow-on effect that will last much longer than I think the pandemic ever will. And, and that recovery is going to be difficult. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I've... Um, I talk about being prepared. You know, this is like Boy Scout stuff, you know. Um, you got to be prepared for whatever's going to come your way. You got to think about all the layers of skills that you have on offer and how those play out throughout, you know, the potential of whatever this could be. You know, I had a really crazy conversation with my wife about, you know, saying, asking her if she would kill anybody for me. And, and she said, no, I couldn't. <laughs> And I was loaded because I knew she couldn't. I said, well, you need to start thinking about that because I could kill people for you. I said, if this shit goes <laughs> sour, what's going to happen? You know, are you going to just like let somebody kill me, or, you know, for, for toilet paper? Or are we going to be killing other people for toilet paper? You know, like people are showing their true colors here. Society has a tone, you know, and that tone is, fuck you. I'm going to fucking hoard shit for no apparent 100%, reason. 100%, yeah. And so well, I, I, it's a sad I, I, state of affairs. I had a similar chat with my wife a couple of weeks ago where you know, not necessarily, you know, um, trying to cost her to murder the next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
but I am a lot of you know I'm sure lots of people would like to. Um, <laughs> the, the the conversation went something along the lines, and, and it's kind of sensitive information, so I'm going to try and kind of keep it high level. But we were basically looking at um, incidents that could happen with our business, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm the kind of the managing director of the business, but she, you know, bears a lot of the weight. She does a lot of work in the background. Mm. It's, it's, it's our business. It's our livelihood. So we're having this conversation over dinner where we said, where she said, well, what if um, this thing lasts for 12 months in the current state? And then what if it lasts for 18? Like we're basically um, uh, uh, business continuity planning on the fly, right? Even though we've mm. done some of that in the background, but that was the, con- the theme of the conversation. And I kind of pointed out that, you know, if this thing lasts for 18 months the way it is now, the way the society's behaving, mm. our biggest concern isn't whether or not we've got enough money in the bank, is whether or not we've got enough money to build that machine gun nest on top of the house and, yeah. and extend the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, it, 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 you know, it's... It, it, and look again. It, it makes it sound like I'm either deluded, um, uh, you know, a, 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 um, somebody who, who is waiting for the apocalypse. I'm not a prepper. I haven't got lots of tin cuts. But yeah. at the same time, like you, if you look at the uh, what how our society has changed in, let's just focus on Australia. In really two weeks since the government statement started to get really official, and 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 it that. That I think the broader society walk up to what was going on. If you look at the way that the, the, the levels of behavior that have not become acceptable but have become accepted mm. in that time, like you, you look at that curve, it keeps going the way it's going. Then who the hell knows what 12 months looks like in the way that we treat each other and, and, and what we're prepared to do to, to feed our own family or to, well, in, in this analogy, wipe our own family's back time, right? It's like, yeah. it, 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 who knows? Like you, we, we've never been through this before. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think that there's like two things, two things. One, uh, to just lighten it slightly. If you want to check your doomsday yeah. crazy, go watch doomsday preppers <laughs> on Netflix because that will get you right where, you know, in the spectrum of crazy you are. I went and watched it yeah. the other day <laughs> to check myself and I'm way far away from that. I mean, there was, I was watching this episode and within the first 10 or 15 minutes of this episode, this guy, uh, was sneaking, doing a surprise attack in a full Wookiee kit from the forest in his house at nighttime to come in and say that his entire family had just been murdered. He snuck into the house to fuck with them. I mean, like, that's crazy shit, you know, So to prepare them for the pending apocalypse because he lives near... So, say, so I think that, you and I are That was clear. his dry run. That was his dry run to make sure that was... You know, hundred percent. Yeah, because he was he was prepping them for the people that are going to come for them in the apocalypse, right? That whatever's going to happen. Yeah. Um. So I, wow. I think you know that gives you perspective of the prepper world. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I know that I I feel often quite crazy uh, about a lot of this stuff. But the other thing that I've been you know kind of been made aware of, or I've seemingly it became clear to me, is just how fragile. The financial systems we have are and that are in place. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and that that kind of spooked me. Not in the end of the world thing, but the fragility of this. I mean, the amount of money that the governments are pumping are in the trillions, right? Uh, Australia's yeah. just kicked past one point one trillion. The U.S. Yeah. is was way past that already. Um, you know, it's an insane amount of money that is getting pumped back into an economy in order to keep it afloat. <laughs> Um, you know, and I, you know, in a naive mind would have thought we could have just pressed the pause button. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But that's not a possibility yeah. because you can't do that because the system is so fragile. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. I was, I was talking, not, it, 
Yeah, it's also not mapped correctly, right? So yeah. the, it, I, I kind of semi-agree with you. I don't think it's fragile to... I, I, I don't think we would have potentially thought of it as fragile maybe six to eight weeks ago. Mm. But what, what's been found out is that it, it, it is... It, it is pretty good and well systemized, uh, you know, the economic system generally globally, mm. to the stuff that's come before. <laughs> but, but, but blindside, it was something like this. And oh my God, it's got gaps everywhere, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's, I think also what it's highlighted is that the system isn't, we work here around technology, right? Mm. I don't think that the system is well mapped. So I don't think they've actually got a topology of the impact of one decision over another. Yeah. And obviously, they understand that at economic level from a macro level. Mm. But, 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 but the fact that they've, they've just somewhat been scrambling around to pump money back in is because they can't hit the pause button because they can't work out what, where that impacts and where it won't impact, yeah. which, you know, which areas of industry to subsidize or help mm. as a result of that pause. It's kind of like as soon as you pull on that string, the whole thing comes kind of tumbling down in terms of the problems that would happen with just hitting that pause button, and that's something that they've never they've never game planned or well planned that before because yeah. it blindsided them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, I look at um, I look at you know, so we, I'm sure we could keep going on on these things forever. But I mean, I kind of yeah. look at government like um, the way they run government is very much like a business these days. You know, all governments seemingly yeah. are just corporations with uh, you know similar hierarchies and you know top level you know ivory tower management. And um, the D, the the DR plans are horrible, right? The disaster recovery uh, that they have in play for things like yeah, I think you're you've hit it on the head. You know, this blindsided you know, the have, has blindsided these economies and, and the protection of these things. They don't know where to go with it. They don't know what to do. And it's pretty, pretty scary, you know, to think about. Um, I'm sure we'll all survive this as humans. Cool. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the shape of what it is, though, is, you know, is is it doomsday prepping time or is it just, you know, will we all walk our way out and, you know, it eventually life will just go back to normal. The, the psychology yeah, of all this has been uh, fun to play with for me as well. And when I think about, you know, we're going to go through a lot of, um, you know, things that we now are going to do on the regular for a period of time, you know, being clean, all of a sudden we have this massive excuse to wash our hands more often, to be aware of our proximities and all these sorts of behaviors that are going to become very present for us for at least four to six to 13 weeks of like, you know, whatever it's going to be. So, you know, as a society, we will change rapidly. One of the things I'm curious to watch from the back seat, you know, like you said, you know, kind of eating the popcorn is, is what will we go, what will we revert back to? You know, what will we automatically just go back to the normal of, you know? And it, you know, my analogy is, is like, you know, if I, with my son, if I, if he gets in trouble and I ground him and he, and he has to detox off his, de- his devices for two weeks, you know, he'll, he'll be off those devices. He'll kind of get this clarity around, oh, well, life exists and it still goes on. You know, I'm a totally different person. I'm more active. I've got more stuff going on. I can operate in the world like a normal human being without all these de- technology. But as soon as I gets off, um, you know, the punishment and then the device goes back in hand, it's about a week goes by of trying. And then eventually yeah. it all just falls back into place, the poor behavior, all the ways that it is. So I'm curious to see what will happen and how long it'll take for us to revert back to our sort of shitty, padded fatty ways of living life um you know it's just it's it's going to be a, an interesting ride out i think you know Wait, how long do you think it's going to take before people are going to brush past each other again in the supermarket um oof. i, I, I think, genuinely I don't think know it's, it's going to change the way we engage with with with, with strangers 
It really is. For, I think for a it period. is. Yeah, I, I don't know that. Um, I've seen two things happen. I've seen people talk to each other more from a distance because they have common yes. things. Like we were talking about with sport before in the podcast. Now everybody has coronavirus to talk about. All their fears, all their scares. So they, I watch more people talk about this stuff. I've never seen so many people on my street talking, ever. Yeah, I've gone out the front of my yeah, yeah. house. Uh, you know how many times a day I could do the math, but it doesn't matter. But ever since I've been home for the last three weeks, I, there's a time of day, particularly where there's twenty or thirty people outside doing their exercise. They kind of have that little casual chat as they walk by. Last week there was one point in time there was twenty people just standing around chatting. You know, all yeah. socially distancing, all having their worry and their fear. So there's the one flip to it where all of a sudden you're willing to talk to your neighbors when you really weren't to. You know, going to have much of a conversation with them before. But when we go out and we have to fend for ourselves and go get our toilet paper, you know, it's just, you know, madhouse, right? And so, I don't know, it's like I've noticed the the Woolies um, is shifting kind of back, but then at the same time, I've stopped going because, you know, everybody has some weird idea that that's the safest place to buy everything. So then there's that kind of bullshit, and you're kind of wondering, well, you know, I can get things from other places that I need. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's... I well, think... I mean, it, it has, it, it's driven some good behaviors. I 100% agree. Mm. I've started talking to my neighbors more as well, mainly yeah. because I'm walking around and having some conversations I wouldn't usually be having. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel rude already interrupting their kind of day with me walking past them on the street having a chat, right? Yeah. Um, but, but then the other side, I mean, you mentioned that you touched on something there that I've been trying to promote with a lot of the people that I know. Mm. And this, this, this is partly because I don't want to run into crowds. And partly because I recognise as a business owner the troubles that individual small businesses are going to be going through. I started shopping more locally. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I say local, I didn't drive to Woolies 50 kilometres away. Of course, I went to the local Woolies. Well, I've kind of went, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to go to the local butcher, the local baker, yeah. um, uh, the local green grocer. One, because... I, I, I know I'm not going to run into loads of people. I know that I'm not going to have to pick up a shopping trolley for loads of people. So there, there is like self-interest in there. Mm. Then inside to it as well, it's saying, well, you know, they're right around the corner from me. Well, and I, I just haven't used them because they're not as convenient as throwing everything in one go. Mm. But they need me now more than ever. Like, yeah. And they need everyone now more than ever. Mm. So I, mean, I think that there's some, I, even though I'm more distant as well, I, I'm sure that more people are feeling like this. I, I'm, because of that commonality and also because of the situation that we're in being so new, I'm talking with people and, 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 and texting and WhatsApping with people that I wouldn't necessarily do, you know, with, you know, for like maybe six month periods in terms mm. of the gaps between us speaking. Mm. Um, so even though we're detached in some respects, we're a lot more connected, yeah. Um, yeah. which, you know, I think that physical connection you know, or socially, distant, appropriate physical connection of actually physically having a chat with your neighbor in the street, that's got to be a healthy thing that's come out of this. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I've, got friend, I've got friends who worked in corporate that didn't necessarily get home for dinner. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't get home to put the kids down and, and they're spending more time with their kids at bedtime than they have mm. in the first three or four years of their life, right? Mm. So there's, I think as a society, hopefully it's what maybe you can awake us up to some of those things that really do matter. Mm. Um. Yeah, and hopefully, well, we'll see whether, like you said, whether or not it lasts, or whether or not we just go back to what we were, that we were, you know, where we were before. Um, I guess that remains to be seen, but there's certainly some benefits that are being drawn on a social level. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think it's that vacuum effect, right? You know, social distancing for the good has created us needing to create different, um, I guess, connections in a you know in a virtual and you know more positive way. So you kind of seek that out. Like I've noticed behaviors in any meeting I'm in now. There's a lot more catching up, small talk going on than yeah. there used to be. Um, people are kind of really having that moment where they're like, "Oh, how's it?" You know, like, "Are you okay?" And you know, needing to have yeah. that feedback loop. 100%. And, yeah. So it's it's. It's been different, think, you know. You can feel everybody's involved in it, which is a, a, un, a unique experience in itself, too. It's something that I hadn't, I hadn't really, I, I clearly, it, I'd noticed on some level, but I hadn't really thought about it until you just said the words there. How much more meaning do the words "Hey, how are you going?" Yeah. seem to mean at the moment? Mm. Like people actually genuinely want to know, mm. whereas before it was pretty much a formality and let's get on with the agenda both in business and socially. It's like, hey, are you mm. okay? Is the family okay? Yeah. You guys staying safe? Whereas, yeah. let's face it, before when we asked our colleagues that or our clients or our, um, you know, our friends that we haven't seen for a while, really, it's just a, a precursor to get on with whatever conversation you're going to have. But it's actually taken on new meaning because mm. of what everyone's going through as a group. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I almost want to say that it's always been quite hollow. You know what I mean? It's, it is just a yeah, formalities. I mean, and the formalities have changed. Um, just if, it's, mm. if I said, "Hey, how are you doing, Joe?" and you tell and say, "Oh, look, pretty shitty," and these are the reasons why, mm. of course, it would take on some meaning. Sure. But like, admittedly, if I said that at the start of a conversation when everything's normal, mm. as soon as you say, "Yeah, I'm good. How are you?" Mm. I moved on from that. I'm not 100%. delving. I didn't. I didn't really want to hear too much about it unless yeah. it's something that, that matters. Yeah. Um, it's just a formality, like you said. Yeah. But I, I think it, to some extent it was hollow. It just obviously wouldn't be if there was an issue, right? Yeah. Well, this is part of, in part, you know, kind of the thing, you know, so like, I think, you know, I think about our society and, you know, kind of going back to that, that the mass, the, the last time anything major happened was some time ago, you know, where our entire planet had to react to it. Um, there's been pockets of heavy crap going on all, all through our lives, but, you know, very at arm's length or even not even in our, our stratosphere of understanding things. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, we're in this place where, you know, we have we've we've been living this sort of juicy easy carefree life for a long time right we didn't know it we didn't, we didn't know, know it, it. we've taken but when we've taken it for granted because you know you think about oh, we look at tech right so we you know we're both in tech and you know i mean like you and i go back a, a fair bit right you know you kind of picked me up when i was in a spot where i needed a lot of you know needed a job i mean i remember this very clearly you know you and i had a phone conversation and you somehow identified on the phone that I would be a good fit for this placement. No one else was giving me any time. I was going in, meeting people face to face. It was just all that bullshit. And you picked up a phone, somehow had a vibe. I don't know what it was, threw me into the mix. And it was a fit. You were right about it. And it all worked out. And I, I went and got a job. And I needed that, you know, I needed to get a job and I needed to kind of sort some shit out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't think we need to necessarily have a, a moment of contact to know a person or to understand a thing, but what we need to do is 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 be a open to what you're you're going for and understanding people and hearing people. And I think to a certain degree, we've lived in a world where you don't actually have to do any of that anymore. You can just jump on a thing and ride it for as long as you can. And, um, you know, it's very comfort. It's very easy. You know, um, you know, once you kind of understand the gambit or the game that's being played, you just can keep playing it. You know, you don't actually have to really participate heavily. Um, and now we're in this moment where, 
you know, it, it is everyone's affected. You know, everybody has to be a part of it. And all of a sudden we have a value point, uh, you know, that we can all agree to. You know, like prior to all this, you think six months ago, um, you know, the world's been polarized. You, 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 you mean the good old days? We're, but, you know, I mean, like, yeah, the good old days. But like, you think of <laughs> yeah. like things. That's it was, thinking, you know? Yeah, but it is, you know, and it was like everything was polarized. No one could agree about shit. You know what I mean? Like everybody was just like, no, how dare you? You know, it was all this shit. They yeah. couldn't even agree about, you know, whether a TV show was, you know, worth watching or not. It was like, no, I hate it. No, I like it. Everybody fucking hate each other. You know, everyone was at each other's throats because there's nothing for us to really have value around. And all of a sudden this pandemic comes through and this perspective shift happens for everyone. And yes, there's still a level of polarization, but it's still under a singular lens of, are we acting fast enough? Are these people being assholes? You know, there actually is a value proposition that we're all following and everyone agrees. No, this is the good way of doing it. We all have to do it. And there's agreeance, which has just blown my mind to a certain degree because seriously, six months ago, we were all at each other's fucking throats over the bachelor. What are the fuck TV show people were watching at the time or whether Trump was this or our PM in the bushfires, you know, like all this stuff was not that long ago. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy to think that something like this is what's recalibrating society to a certain degree. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the problem is, is that the, whatever we're going through currently and whatever the after effects that we talked about, it is finite, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 scientifically speaking, you would expect it to be relatively finite. So I, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, I think the virtue signaling and, and, um, nobody being able to talk anymore. I've always kind of attracted from that personally. I mean, I know that's an easy thing to say, but I've, you know, I, I don't, I don't really engage in those types of discussions. Number one, because I don't really give enough of a shit about most of the stuff that people get irritated about. Yeah. And number two is, is I've always kind of, I've always been a relatively open person in terms of just, figure, you know, I, the, the reality is, is, you know, I don't want to sound controversial, but if someone's a dick, they're a dick. It doesn't matter what they're, what, what, what camp they're sitting sexually, mm. racially, um, mm. what political kind of, um, uh, alignment they have. Yeah. Like if you're a dick, you're a dick. And if you're not, then I'm interested in what you've got to say, even mm. if it doesn't really fit in with my way of thinking or mm. it's in fact, it's beneficial if it doesn't fit in my way of thinking because that way I'm normally going to learn something new when I'm having that conversation. Mm. So personally speaking, I've never really got involved in all that. It's one of the reasons that I spend very, very limited time um, outside of business um, using Twitter mm-hmm. because I just think it's just a lot of people whinging about things that really, really are not worth whinging about, like, you know, a lot, or jumping on things that don't deserve to be jumped on, not to put yeah. to kind of broader point on it but I don't want to get drawn too far into that because I've got opinions and, and, and yeah anyway mm. it's kind of a, a, a lot of fuss about nothing but going back to what this impact will have in terms of the reset button on some of this stuff I, I, I'm probably sounding quite cynical now I've clearly spent too much time in the house but <laughs> I'd be I'd be very surprised if those people just suddenly have a an epiphany where they realise that they spent a lot of their time just basically digging out other individuals over not much um, and 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 then kind of go, come into this place where they're open and, and prepared to talk and prepared to kind of share ideas that are conflicting. Mm. I'd be very surprised if this is unifying in that way. I'd love it to be because it's a huge problem in our society, mm. but I, I don't think this thing is going to go on long enough or make enough um, 
enough of our society bleed um, yeah. for, 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 for that for them for those particular the worst parts of that particular group yeah. to um, uh, to suddenly have that you know oh shit what have I been doing like let's let's kind of <laughs> put that to one side and move on I just I'd be very surprised if that happened. I'd be pleasantly surprised, but I just yeah. No, no, I agree. I actually, I, I, I agree. I'm gonna, I align with that. I don't think it's gonna change people. I think, but what I, what I hope for is, is that it gives people um, a different, a different perspective on this sort yeah. of pain that us, you know, we can all be a part of, rather than having individualistic sort of hiding behind the keyboard bullshit. You know, I yeah. often, I often uh, relate th- those types of people that are so miserable to having nothing better to do with their lives. Um, yeah. You know, and that that is a real demeaning and you know sort of stereotypy way of doing it. But you know, generally speaking if you have better things to do, you're not going to sit there and fucking hate on everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm kind of like, get a fucking positive hobby. But really, this is mindset. You know, this is um, a choice uh, to position things in a, you know, from the right perspective. I often talk about uh, perspective and and perspectives are choices that you're making and biases are choices that you're making and you have every right to have them, but you also have every right to change them. And to look at things from different, from a different, from the opposite perspective, to have a bias that can be changed, to have a perspective that can be changed is, is, is very hard to do, but you choose the path that you're on. And sometimes those things come in from external factors and, and, you know, the societal things can shape you, but, you know, we live in a world where you can uh, learn and do things and have access to information like never before. So, you know, I have a hard time creating excuses for people to be assholes. Uh, I think you're right. They're just assholes and that's what they are. It's easy to smell them out. I think for, you know, someone like yourself and, and someone like me, it's, it's less about alignment with them. It's more about distancing. <laughs> and I've always been good at social distancing with those assholes. Uh, you know <laughs> yeah, I mean? that. But the thing is, this is the problem, right? So if you look at, if you, if you section society into, into like the, you know, the, the three sections, you've got 10% either end of the spectrum that are, you know, have strong beliefs one way and strong beliefs another way. Yeah. And then there's either 80%. I've got the maths right there, right? 80, 10, 10. Like yeah. there's either 80% end up, if they want to engage in discussion, because they might just be people who want to be intellectually stimulated, mm. they, they get dragged into these dogfights with either side. So, you know, if you look at things from a macro level, it looks like society is probably a much bigger chunk leaning in one direction, whatever the argument is, mm. right? Like mm. Whatever that argument is. And the reality is most people are like us and just want to distance themselves, but they just get dragged into this discussion. Yeah. Um, and look, maybe maybe I'm wrong, right? And, and maybe I was also too stupid to pick up the second layer that you were getting at earlier. Like maybe these people that have been sat behind a keyboard for the last ten years, sniping at people, might actually want to get out, do something, get some vitamin D, and and, and feel positive about the world, and maybe put their their keyboard warrior kind of behaviors to one side. But because they've been, you know. It's like the uh, the cigarette analogy, right? When mm. when you know that in the old days when they caught kids smoking, they'd lock in their cupboard and make them smoke twenty of them, and yeah. you know until they were sick and literally sick of them, um, physically and and, and 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 mentally. I guess it could be that these guys could be locked up so long that they go, okay, outside is pretty good, and mm. people are actually quite nice to each other, aren't they? When when they're all kind of released after this period of lockdown, yeah, and and, and some of that stuff might go away, you know. But I, I'm. 
I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure there's, <laughs> there's, there's, all, there's always ourselves. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's some philosophy, uh, you know, around all this that would say that nothing's going to change at all. Um, you know, we're creatures of habit. The system will come back. It'll realign and get back to normal because fundamentally the cynic in me says that big business and government want it all to go back to normal because how are they going to make all their fucking money? So, you know, they needed to go back we'll to normal. Back as well, right? Well, yeah. You know, so like at the end of the day, people got to go go on their holidays every year, right? We're all just looking to get home for dinner and live a, live a good life, right? So I think, uh, you know, society will recalibrate. It'll realign. It's just I'm one to believe that there's always something to be learned. There's something something that we can do to become more. Uh, I just hope that a majority do that and not a minority, um, you know, because we do have a, an odd society that's, it's gripped. And I, and it's an interesting thing to think about your 10, uh, 80, 10 split there. Um, you know, made, it, it reminds me of my opinion around how, uh, we are forced in a world of binary opinions, right? And and those people on the 10% either side are forcing you to have an opinion. And we're trapped in there. Sure. You must have an opinion. One of the big reasons why I, I distance uh, from any of these big conversations around politics and government and all this sort of crap that I generally now I'm talking about more um, is because I, one, don't give a shit, so it feels. Um, but two, I don't think that I need to have an opinion about everything. I'm quite 100%. happy to not have an opinion and say, no, I have no feeling for that. No opinion. I do not care about it. Um, often met with, why? How could you not care? It's about your life. I said, well, I don't yeah. give. I don't care. I do not care whether or not this is a thing that you care about. It doesn't mean anything to me, and I don't have to have an opinion about it in order to live on this planet. Um, but we have very much been raised in a world where you must have an opinion about everything, uh, a position, well, a stance. Is, the thing is, Joe, the part, I totally agree with what you're saying, but the problem that I, I also find as well is a lot of the opinions, I'm doing my air quotes again, that are out there that are strong, like they, these individuals that demand you have an opinion too, they, they're not well-researched. They're no. just taking on board something that they've been marketed to. So mm -hmm. I, I used to get this around voting, and look, I've got more voting signs than I have kind of um, filled in um, ballot sheets or whatever you call them. I don't yeah. even know what they're called. Yeah, yeah. Because I openly said, hey, I don't know enough. I do not know enough. It's not that I haven't got the the ability to know enough. It's not that I don't care about what's happening with this election that's coming up and what's happening at society level, but I haven't got the time or I haven't got the inclination or whatever mm. to actually do my research and say, well, I'm going to go this way or that way. Yeah. I had a conversation with, with a family member where where um, uh, uh, they, they were around Brexit, right? And they yeah. said, well, are you going to vote because you're a British citizen? You know you can vote. Um, or, you know, whatever the loophole was, I could vote even though I was in Australia. I said, no, I don't, I don't know what's going on over there. I mean, I've got, I'm getting trink, like truncated information, but, um, but, but, but it's not enough to form what I would consider a well-informed opinion. And, and, and they, they couldn't believe it. And then I asked them to tell me why they wanted to go the way they wanted to go. And I, again, I'm keeping it general because I don't want this to be get, get political or, or look like I've got a, a, a you know, lean a certain way. And the, the half-assed reason they gave me was clearly just been like yielded from the front of a, a, a red top rug in the UK. Mm. As soon as I started picking holes in it, it was, I just, again, just trying to have a conversation said, well, you know, why do you think that when it could go this way and if you thought about that and just picked a few holes in it and it just fell over. So it's like, you've got individuals walking around saying, I've got this wild, wildly strong and, 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 um, kind of belligerent opinion on a certain subject matter. But the, the, rea the reality is, is 
they're probably not that well researched on it. They probably mm. haven't looked at multiple angles. They've clung to an idea and they've built the evidence. Again, the air quotes are coming out yeah, yeah. for that opinion. Um, um, around what they've basically built the evidence for the opinion around already having the opinion. So they've mm. taken the information on that serves that opinion. They haven't necessarily looked at the other angles to figure. So most people have two or three throwaway lines to back that up mm. if they're reasonably intelligent and know they're going to be asked that stuff. But they haven't really gone further than that. <laughs> so, you don't need to anymore. They, you, do, you don't need well, to, is my argument. Pick a camp, right? Yeah. Pick a tribe and, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. so, the tribes are so small now, too. You know, you can find anything you want that aligns with the way you're feeling or the way you, you your negative cool. negativity is. You can find things for your positivity, too. You know, there's like things, you know, I mean, I like I grew up in a world where my, um, my stepmom, you know, believed in having, you know, amethyst next to her head when she slept so that, you know, rocks made her sleep better. You know, I mean, there's things in all directions. We've always been in a world where, you know, this exists. I just think that one of the big drivers for that now is the technology era and, and the information age has has a double edged sword. Right now you can have you can find any negative person you want now, any group you need to prove that you're right and justified in your sort of biases and opinion, right? Um, and then you can flout that with some sort of hollow factoids that fit your narrative to get out there. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's it's a it's a really sort of sad state of affairs when people aren't uh, um, challenging what they're thinking as much, you know? Um, and I'm again, I haven't spoke to you in a while, but one of the things I'm trying to do now is I'm writing a book. And uh, the book is, it's about, uh, it's called How to Song... Uh, how to how to survive a zombie apocalypse, which is an analogy for how to how to survive life in in our sort of current day and age. Um, this was pre-COVID, by the way. So yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty, <laughs> if only it was published a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right? Fucking be, killing me, mate. And I was like, it, yeah. I wanted a draft of this like by the end of this month, you know, and I, I haven't quite got there yet. But one of them is about my analogy around, um, you know, drinking, you know, where do you get safe water to drink, which is an analogy for information. You know, it's so easy now to have um, drank a lot of misinformation, but there's no way for you to know that. Um, and you actually have to do a fair whack of research now or be, be have the right kind of intention in the information you're taking in, you know. Um, 100% agree. Uh, so. And, and look, just to add a bit of weight to that, this is something a bit lighter. Mm. So I, I'm I'm sat at the moment with my wife's AirPods yeah. here on this call. Reason being is she when we were in the UK, she reversed over one of mine. Oh, okay, right. so long long story, but that was somehow I lost you know I lost the AirPods. She didn't, even though she reversed over one of the sets. Yeah. Anyway, I I I, thought, I said you know what I'm going to just step out of Apple. Just 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 I'm going to try it. I'm going to yeah. step out of Apple. I've got an iPhone. I want to step out. I'm going to just take a look at, just to do a generic research over all the earbuds that are out there, mm. or earbuds, whatever they're called. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to look at multiple sources because I, I, I too, 100% agree that it's very difficult to know what to believe on the internet. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, I didn't systemize this or build a spreadsheet. But I'm basically going to try and get an idea of which which head, which set of headphones is the best out there for what I need. Yeah. Anyway, I landed on these headphones. Dog shit. Yeah. Like, like spent nearly as much money as I would have would have on Apple. Yeah. Um. The the multiple review sites that you would expect to be quite reputable. Yeah. Reputable. Sorry. Rubbish. Like <laughs> like the call quality is awful, which is why I'm using my wife's instead of the set of Sony's that I bought. Yeah. They, they 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 just they just don't do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yet 
I got from multiple sources the best thing on the market and easily worth the $400 that I, that I needed to spend. I don't know, I bought them in the UK, but it, it, yeah. I think they're about 400 bucks. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And that, obviously, that's not even an important part, you know, an important decision that I needed to make. Um, but you can yeah, be led yeah. astray so easily. And it's so, yeah, it's so hard easily. to do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a, it's an interesting uh, problem set, right? And and one of the ones that I think we're all kind of stuck with. It's like, how do you move through life now? You know, I think things are going to change. I mean, this has been a very interesting conversation. I mean, I know we've gotten a little bit, you know, crazy COVID on all of it, but at the same time, I think it all it it all sinks, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, what we're doing as a society, where we're going with a lot of this stuff, you know, it has an effect on us as individuals, has an effect on us as large groups, uh, and it has an effect on our global planet. You know, I I think that we were on a real downward slide, uh, you know, going into almost uh, a shitty little apocalypse to a certain degree, uh, one of which I was, you know, slanting this book towards, which was, you know, the intention was, is like, we live in a shitty little world, you know, you got to know what you're doing to get through it now more than ever, because, you know, shit is kind of crazy, you know, I, I, I equate people walking around in the streets to zombies, you know, I've never seen such a mass horde of just dumbfounded individuals just walking around like zombies. And, um, you know, that was my tongue in cheek about why I was writing the book. And now we're, you know, in this world of, you know, sort of, in a weird way, shitty pandemic unity, uh, and uh, you know, and and it may be it could, it could be one of that shines a different light on along all of this stuff. I mean, I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but you know, it's it's. It, I'm scared for if we're going to go back to zombies or not. I'd love to see that we don't go back to full zombie mode. Well, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you both both edges of my personality. Number one, I've found the flames around the zombie apocalypse yeah. uh, all the way through the call. Yeah, and I do think we will go back to that largely. Yeah, yeah. shall I tell you the reason that we ended up moving here when we did our what our what we what we called our recce trip? Was yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you yeah. know, we came came for a weekend, had a look around. We'd only been once before, but yeah. like the the cra- there was some other stuff behind it that I won't bore mm. you with. But yeah. basically, we had multiple options about where to move the business. You know, depending on airports and restaurants and other things to do you know we didn't want to move into some you know middle of nowhere where the only restaurants available were kfc or the local pub right but yeah. but, but 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 largely the reason we moved up here was this is before i blew out my knee which i whinged to you about last time we spoke on the phone but we um we, we came up here on a weekend it was may time which would have been kind of um effectively autumn mm. um kind of autumn moving into winter like the weather was obviously fantastic. It's called the Sunshine Coast for a reason. The single point when my personally I turned and said we want to give this a go, I went for a run along the beach. I ran for eight k, so four k in one direction and four k back to start. <clears throat> and I passed about a hundred people. Okay, which you know over eight kilometers isn't that much. You just mm. you know every now and again saw a dog walker or someone coming out of the surf. And over that hundred people, one person didn't say hello to me. Oh, right. yeah. And she, she she was battling with her, um, uh, her uh, leash on her surfboard, which she was looking down. Sure. But I, I, reckon that, I reckon that if I'd been three seconds after that, she would have said hello to me too. Mm. And I got, got back to the house and said to my wife, this is, this is more in line with, with the type of place that I want to bring kids up. Yeah. Like, it, it, I do think it's a symptom of the cities. I'm not going to suddenly say, hey, look, I've got it all figured out because it's still a proof of concept. Mm. But I can tell you that once you get out of the cities in Australia and anywhere in the world, in my experience, 
people are still personable with each other, they still say hi, you know. Mm. Mm. If people look in trouble, they still stop on the street. Mm. And, and again, look, you're still there. Loads of my friends are still there. I still love coming to visit in Sydney. Yeah. But one of the reasons that I wanted to get out of there is it starts to remind me of London. Like, you know, you've got yeah. people jumping out of cars to, to, to try and punch punch through windscreens because mm. someone's done something that's pissed them off at a traffic light or, yeah. you know, joggers bumping into each other and then getting into a scrap and trying to take photos of each other because mm. and it's like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah. this is just silly. I think it's a symptom of being cooped up, mm. you, you know, in, in all, all in one place. And I, I agree, when I come to Sydney, I see these bloody space cadets walking along the street with their iPads in their, in their hands. And I just think, you know, like... <laughs> All right, you might walk this route every day to work, but that doesn't make what you're doing safe. Like yeah. you might not get an intrinsic amount of value out of looking around, looking up at the architecture. Mm. I remember the first time I moved to a city in the UK, I spent my whole time looking up. I was bumping into people for a different reason because yeah. I was looking at the the high rises right and the, the architecture that was above my head. Yeah. But like, I'm not saying people are going to do that on their walk to work they've done for five years. But come on, I mean, what are you doing? You're walking along with this kit in your hand and just walking in front of cars and bumping into people. Well, like, come on, like, if not, whatever you're watching on Netflix isn't that important, dude. It, it really isn't. Yeah. It I'm not be. saying you have to high-five everyone you pass on the street, Yeah, <laughs> especially especially not in the current climate, obviously. But, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you want a bit of a release from that, mate, Noose is always here for you for uh, for a few few days of people saying good day to you. Yeah, well, um, I'd have to be able to get there, so I'm not allowed. But, you know, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Legally, I don't think I could go there anymore. That's <laughs> where we're at now. That was that was pre-COVID, right? Is this yeah. to do with some of your, your prior convictions? Yeah, or, yeah. or this is no, just no, COVID? Yeah. No, this is just COVID talking. <laughs> this is just my regular old COVID crazy talk. Uh, prior, I would have definitely made my way. I got another buddy up there as well, so uh, in that direction. So I probably should go up that way. I got a couple stops I could do now. I know the missus said as soon as this is all over, we got to go on a, on a holiday somewhere. And if Australia's opens up, uh, we were because we were planning on going to Bali, uh, and we yeah, didn't have like we tickets or probably off limits for a while, right? Yeah, well, we didn't have tickets, but it was like you know she didn't have her passport. I said, well, you get your passport, and then we'll start talking about a trip. But then as that all happened everything came up, you know, so it was like, well, we're not going to be doing that. Um, but she did say, maybe I, we should try to get up the coast somewhere. She said, let's go to Cairns. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go to fucking Cairns. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people are going to be holidaying in Australia, right? Cause I yeah. think like you touched on earlier, I think, look, let's not get dragged into the whole thing again. I'm yeah, yeah. terrible for it, but I think there's a good chance we'll get it under control here relatively quickly yeah. compared to, and when I say relatively, I'm not going to put a time limit on it, but it's yeah. going to be months, not days or weeks, or, you know, certainly not Easter Sunday, like Mr. Trump thinks. Yes. But, um, it, <laughs> that guy's hilarious. Yeah. In, in Australia, I think we'll probably get it like handled, but mm. my wife made the point of this. She's like, yeah, but like, that's Australia, right? I mean, we, it doesn't mean they're going to open the borders for right. overseas yeah. travellers coming here or us going elsewhere. Mm. I mean, the, look at what's going on, right? It's it's terrible. But at the same time, if we come through this, nobody's going to want to jump jump into Asia and back back out, or jump into Europe or America for that matter, and back and back here anytime soon. I don't mm. think so. I think a lot of people are going to be holidaying in Australia. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe start a, a caravan rental company. <laughs> that, 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 that could be a call, man. Yeah, could be. That could be a call. 
<laughs> oh mate, hey, look, I I feel like you and I could get Corona crazy for I would I would put a yeah. timer on that. We could probably constant run this for at least twenty four hours. I reckon we could roll this through. We'd have to get beers and we'd just keep going. Um, but before we be, before we jump off, uh, I just want to ask you one question. It's a question that I have not been asking my guests for a while, but one I think that's uh, important now, and it kind of came up. Um, you know, the question is: Is would you say that you are happy in your life? Um, yes, I would. That's good, man. That's good. I'm yeah. glad you're happy. I, I, in a weird way, I miss you. I feel like I haven't seen you in a long time. It'd be good to see your face and, and, and shoot the shit face to face. I've always enjoyed hanging out with you, bud. It's uh it's an interesting yeah, sure, time, man. but, uh, we'll have yeah. to figure out a way to see each other when the apocalypse is over. It, it will, it will happen, right? I have no doubt it will happen. As soon as the, those borders are, uh, are let down, then I'm sure we'll make it happen. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Hey, thanks for doing this. And uh, yeah, all the best to you and the family and, and good luck with the uh, machine gun bunker on the roof. <laughs> nest. It's a nest, mate. You're, always, you're, you're recording from a bunker now. Oh, I'm in difference. my bunker. Yeah, I feel like I spend more time <laughs> in my bunker now than I ever have. So it's a, a little bit different. But my tinfoil uh, hat wanna... fits. So it's safe in here. <laughs> I just want to say I'm actually proud of myself that I haven't opened a beer. I'm in here with the beer fridge. <laughs> it's incredibly hot. It's the only thing to drink that's cold. Yeah. And I haven't had one. So oh, well. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Well, you know, good. winning. Hey, that's what it's about. You know, small goals, set them and meet them. <laughs> Man, you take care, okay? All right. Cheers, Jordan. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, Talk to you. Bye. Bye. And there it is. The interview with Mr. Carmichael. It's, uh, we, I guess we covered many things, but uh, the over overarching theme of it was, you know, how does one adapt? How does one change? How does one get along with all of this? I mean, I opened this whole thing with thing about acceptance and understanding and, you know, and being in this. Um, but the one thing that I felt we were, we were both bouncing around was um, accepting this place, you know, like, yes, things are going to change. Yes, it's all going to be what it is. Yes, it may just revert back to the normal sort of status quo bullshit. But accepting it now and striving for something different um, is an interesting outcome that we could all hope for, we could push for. And I feel like the more we all aim for that, the more we're all in this and look at what we're getting from this and and are aware of the outcomes of and the changes that are going to take place and the ones that we like we stick with and the ones we don't like that we've realized we can get rid of, we should get rid of. I think it's a moment. It's a moment in the history of humanity that can change everything for a long time. I don't know if uh, Jordan and I solved the world hunger problem, but I think we definitely were, you know, talking about the things, all the things that matter to us and to many people that I talk to. You know, the stories are very similar. The social exchanges are different. The way at which we're interacting in this world has changed. The way at which work is changed, education is changing. All of these things are changing in real time right now. And, you know, there would have been groups of people that thought this could never take place yet in the flick of a switch in the matter of weeks, we've radically changed the way in which the world is operated. And one can't sit here and not think twice about what that actually means and what does it mean long-term and what to what benefit could this all be for all of us. So anyways, that was a chat with Jordan. Uh, again, someone I've... Uh, 
intended to spend time with. I've intended to get to know better. Uh, my intention there is is genuine. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to book a trip to Noosa now. Jeez, I guess that's going to happen. I got two, I got two people living up that way, so I can I can definitely go see a couple of friends, and that could be a bit of fun. Um, I wonder if they've got CrossFit up there. I bet you they do. Well, I guess it all depends on when we're allowed to move out of the house again, people. But I hope you are all uh, doing well. I hope you're hydrating. I hope that you are exercising to the best that you can. I hope you're learning new skills. I hope you're getting to know the people in your house better than you ever knew them before. And I hope that you are accepting the world that you have found yourself in. And to that, I say goodbye. And I hope that you all enjoy your personal apocalypse. Thank you.